Card presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. For a quiet council, they sure do talk a lot. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week we are looking at the series Immortal X-Men, a series that uh, wrapped up recently and was the lead-in to Sins of Sinister, a current X event that's happening, all about everybody's favorite vampire-looking scientist who loves to splice with them genes, Mr. Sinister. But uh, this is kind of like, this is the prelude to that, and it's all about the Quiet Council of Krakoa, who run everything and make all the decisions and see themselves as the hero, each and every one of them. So, Petula, you know, when they did the whole changing of the X-Men, with the whole House of X and everything, would you say they got more mysterious, the X-Men? They got something. Yeah. I'm going to say everyone got better outfits. Everyone got better outfits, but they also became much more like, hey, let's not trust anybody. Nobody trusts anybody on the island of Krakoa, in my opinion. And the people that do act like they trust people, they're the least trustworthy, in my opinion. <laughs> There's Absolutely. something slightly off with the Children of the Atom ever since that change has happened. And as you know, that made me kind of shy away from the X-Men for a bit because all the politics that were no longer about social political issues, but now more of like power dynamics. And yeah, there was that. And the fact that it, it was very eventy crossover. So yes, I mean, to that's say, it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's a eventy crossover. Nothing really felt like it had an ending that was there as well. So isn't it weird that my favorite X-Men series so far since the change has been Immortal X-Men, which is all about power dynamic politics and is just a lead into a big event. <laughs> it's a never ending event. I mean, there's so many things in the extended Hickman universe, but this one is doing political. It's almost like you could read this one instead of reading a bunch of the other crossover ones because you're getting the background of what's going on in some of the other stories because it's very literal table stakes. You're seeing the Quiet Council in almost every issue, kind of this morning stand-up meeting. Mm. And you're getting the internal monologue of Mr. Sinister just clouding everyone. But you're also getting a resetting of like, you're not getting a lot of details about what's in the other one. So other ones. So it's not that same kind of feeling when you're reading the old timey comics and you get the little asterisks in issue. Da, da, da. Yeah. But you are getting like energy of shifts that are happening or things that are going on. But because of the whole immortality sliding time scale you're also getting a lot of restart energy it it's groundhog day but make it fancy dinner party I, it's doing so much yeah that you could just read and a lot of the series in the hickman universe are like this you could just read a series and skip all the other stuff like that is the one thing i do like that they're very crossover but you don't have to pokemon read them all yeah, this series actually really caught me up on the last three years of what's been going on. And it's because we're dealing with the major players of the politics side. So we're not dealing with the X-Men per se, which is now the the field team that goes out led by Cyclops and they go around the world and they they have adventures and 
solve crimes and yeah, we're not stand marauding. up for mutants. Yeah, we're not doing any yeah. of that. We're basically sitting around one table that happens to be outside in a nice garden for like 10 issues for the most part. And there are, there's 12 characters in this, but there's three major characters. The aforementioned Mr. Sinister, who we get kind of like a running inner monologue from him that coincides with whoever is doing the inner monologue of that issue, which I found kind of interesting that each issue has its star, but Sinister remains a constant as like, and I'm the other star in every issue. But then you also have the aspect of destiny and Mystique. Now Mystique is only a major player in this story because of her connection to destiny. But really the game that's happening in this story, the major politicking, the major like shadow play war between two characters is between destiny and Mr. Sinister. In this. Mr. Sinister is like, I want to fuck shit up and do things my way. I'm now at the spot where I can do it. And destiny's like, he's going to fuck things up. I know he's going to fuck things up because I've known him for like probably going on centuries now. And the overall story of that was like, I enjoyed it. And then when it got to the issue where we find out that destiny is Irene Adler and mystique is Sherlock Holmes, that nailed it for me. I'm like, that's awesome. That is really cool. And did not know this about me, but a woman wearing a Sherlock Holmes outfit. That's pretty hot. That's pretty hot. I'm so happy right now. I thought I'd be the only one talking about the outfits in this. So first of all, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Here's the thing. From issue one, the outfit's coming hot. They're doing Last Supper, but make it fancy. Yeah. Make it every X person in their like top outfit. It's just there's so much happening. And all throughout, we're getting looks. We're getting moves. Everybody's getting to show off their talents. Nightcrawler has just like a top tier moment of, you know, live, die, repeat. That is amazing. Nightcrawler just... this kind of reminds me of a wrestler who they just keep putting gimmicks on. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, he, needs, he needs a jacket. He needs a hat. He needs a cane. And this is sort of like, he needs yeah. more facial hair. Put horns on him. All this sort of stuff. Like yeah. But he, he also gets to do all his moves. Yeah. And we get to see him being used very tactically in a great way it's beautiful like every panel from again cover of issue one i was just like i can't i can't deal with this we're gonna burn a lot of time on me talking about looks should i just pick my top five outfits i'm gonna start with the beginning the opening in paris like the old-timey look and feel mystique with like a kind of flapper era bob Stop. Stop, girl. Please. You're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. It's so much. I'm going to say Magneto, Daddy, the hair, the hair. He has some great looks throughout the Hickman verse, but this is where really, and his bulge is, they're really playing into it. They're really on his way out. So they wanted to make it like a big thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i see what you did there the sherlock's holmes looks i'm going to smuggle that in as one look it's great on the cover it's great in them sort of like you see them in the apartment like lounging and like in and out of their disguises it's just the destiny the you know her blue sort of casual at the office look (laughs) i it it's so arresting and it's really it's a great counterpoint to Charles's, you know, sexy helmet that's very much like the OG what run was that? Was it the God it wasn't God Loves. 
it was there was when Charles gets kidnapped and he gets put in the suspension tank and he gets put in the helmet. It's very much similar. No, that was God Loves Man Kills. Yeah, yeah. So that look, it's like a great kind of counterpoint to that look. Sebastian, Sebastian, Sebastian. There's no casual Fridays for Mister Shaw. Can we just like <laughs> in his whole? I'm like this because my daddy wasn't nice to me. It's his whole backstory was giving very like wolverine origins which i talk about a lot but even just you know old-timey dad who who wasn't really there for me and made me the man monster i am but also i got some good business skills from that whole rough upbringing so you know it's great for revenue generation because you know madmen it's a business and he's a busy man yeah and he's a businessman it's jay-z meets X people love it all. Uh, <laughs> of all the characters, though, I would say Kitty Pride. I was hoping for more than just her kind of epaulets and big hair. It's so Nashville. I, I, I she's the one that I kind of wish I she's could. She's going give her more a for a pirate look, and you're saying it's Nashville? Okay, <laughs> it's it's Nashville pirate. It's it's the. I don't know. It was Dolly Parton. Somebody else just said something about you know big hair makes them closer to God. Maybe it was Aretha Franklin. I don't know. But it's very, she's giving me old-timey Dima with her hair and her epaulettes. Like, she could be opening for Dolly, for sure, somewhere with that look. It's great. It's cool. Whatever. Storm, always great classic. But she's not, both Storm and Emma are weirdly restrained. Like, they're giving their classic looks. They look great, but they're not really going for it. I feel like some of the other characters I mentioned are really taking some great fashion risks. Overall, it's a visual feast. For me, this whole era and how they brought back the Hellfire Gala with this, it's one of the most visually pleasing for me. Mm. And it shows how much they're just enjoying the characters. And when we see the five doing their thing, it's also healing in that for so long, we watch X people die over and over again. But here we get to see them reborn. But then also we do get the internal monologue of people getting reborn. And they're like, y'all, like, this ain't, depending on where you are when they reload your brain. Sometimes you remember dying. Sometimes you don't. It's not great. Yeah. 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 Now, for anybody who hasn't read it, so the Quiet Council kind of is the leaders of Krakoa. And it's made up of Destiny Mystique, Professor Xavier, Emma Frost, Sebastian Shaw, Captain K. Pride, Exodus, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and within the story, Hope Summers becomes the replacement for Magneto. And then, of course, Mr. Sinister is part of the group as well, but it's very obvious that it's very begrudgingly that he's there. And he kind of even puts it in there that it's like, you guys wouldn't have Krakoa the way that it is if it wasn't for my scientific help. And they all kind of like, yeah, we kind of know that, that's why you're here. We don't want you here, but that's why you're here. And Sinister kind of goes out of his way to prove them right throughout the rest of the story. Of like, this is why we don't want you here. And with all those names I mentioned off, almost every one of them gets an issue to themselves. The only people that I don't think have any like issue-centric moments are Colossus and Storm. I don't think get issues to themselves. I think they're just kind of like supporting players in the story. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. And they get a lot to do in other runs. In other books, yeah. Yeah. So, like Storm has a whole fun thing in Sword of X that we talked about before. Yeah. Again, there's something for everyone. 
So if one of your favorite characters isn't doing the most here in the Hickman Center universe, they're doing the most somewhere else. Yeah. Now, in the final issue, the, the issue is Xavier's issue. And the one thing I want to touch about from that issue is that Charles acknowledges that he's a bad father in that in that book. And I thought I pictured you reading that going, finally, it took this long to say it. <laughs> no notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you wondered why I didn't start off complaining about him, it's because it's not, I don't want bad things to happen to Charles. I just want him to acknowledge that he judges the other bad guys a lot. And whereas Sinister is weirdly aware. Sinister has a moment where he's like, y'all, if Magneto had my powers, there would be no humans left. Yeah. Like straight up, straight out of Genosha. But Charles rarely truly acknowledges how questionable his moves have been. And I I kind of love that we get a bit of a understanding uh where he could have improved, but also like a bit of a oopsie. <laughs> like you're, it's his arrogance. And he's always thinking that he's somehow immune. And really, if you look at this as a long, long, many reboot con of Mr. Sinister, his first warning should have been not all the attempts on hope, but the fact that Magneto was gotten out of the way early. Like that should have been your warning that this may also be a play for you in some way. Mm. But his arrogance didn't let him see that. No, no. Yeah. And you bring up the, uh, the attempts on Hope's life. Of course, Hope is brought in as the replacement for Magneto. And at first, like there's people vying for it, but then there's people that are like, we'd rather have somebody else join the Quad Council because Hope is very important to our way of life and the fact that she is the Messiah. She's the person that brings back the people from the dead. Like she has her team, but without her, her team might not be able to bring people back from the dead. Oh my God. I almost forgot best outfit all timer, Celine, who really, she gets obama She's the Clinton, Hillary Clinton to Hope's Obama. Because she's like, I'm going to walk into this quiet council. And then all of a sudden Hope's like, nah, nah, fam. It's like, y'all like resurrecting? Then give me a chair. so this kind of paints a target on their most important person on the island and kind of puts her in a position of where she doesn't see it and some of the the council doesn't see it a very very vulnerable spot which is closer to sinister so much so that sinister decides okay one of my backup plans was is that i cloned a bunch of uh moira mctaggart's so that i can if something goes wrong I can just have her killed and we restart the day. We live, die, repeat this shit. We, as you said earlier, uh, Groundhog Day this shit. And so we get to see the so many failed plans of Mr. Sinister. And half of them are just like showing that it's like Sinister, he's a lab guy. He's not really a field guy. And you see that when he thinks, oh, I'm just going to use this gigantic mech weaponry that's known for killing mutants. Oh, wait a second. I don't know how to fucking use this. Oh, this the, me- the mechanism is actually killing me. I'm dead sort of thing. There's a lot of like oopsie on himself in there. And one of my favorite parts of that issue is the page where it's him listing who was supposed to die mm-hmm. and who actually died for each one. <laughs> I get underestimating Destiny. Uh, she's been dead as long as she's been alive. And... Mystique had to do some real backdoor-ish to get her uh, bumper on the respawn list, kick her up to business class there. Mm. Uh, because for many reasons, uh, not just Moira, but other folks 
were like precogs, maybe not so many precogs because ultimately the big secret of we always lose is also out there. But the constant underestimating of Destiny, not as herself, but the fact that she, as for as long as she's been alive, she's mostly been rolling with Mystique, who's the definition of street smarts. Mm. So he's looking at Destiny or Irene as sort of this, you know, sweet little blind lady. But like, don't forget that she's been booed up with Mystique for more than a minute. Can we just talk about how lovely it is to just have them on panel in canon, like in love. Like they're yeah. one of the more functional couples in the history of the X people. Yeah, well, even though if you go all the way back, Chris Claremont always saw them as a couple. So if you read those early on stories, even though Claremont was told you can't have them say they're a couple, he treated them like one. And so all of that's built in throughout the years. And now, yes, they finally get to present more of that, more of that relationship, so much so that they're flashbacks in this story because they're, the, they're the, the stars of the flashbacks along with Sinister. You get to see like how... Mystique has kind of had to chase Irene all through life. So it's kind of cool that Destiny is Irene Adler and Mystique turns into Sherlock Holmes when solving crimes because Sherlock was always chasing the ever elusive Irene Adler. So it's like, oh, this all kind of works in with the continuity. And then later on, years after that, when Mystique has to break onto that army base to track her down when she's helping Sinister with the scientific experiments, it's like, oh, wow, yeah. Destiny was always running for Mystique. And it was because she thought that would help. And now in the present day, even though Destiny does still kind of feel like me being here puts Mystique at risk, now they're kind of like two against the world. We haven't talked about the art yet. Now, before we get into the actual art of the book, we have to talk about the covers. Mark Brooks is oh my course, God. he's a master of covers. Like have some chill, sir. <laughs> we have loved his covers for years. And they've kind of made poor books better and they've made great books even greater. And I think in this situation, it's very much like a great book being greater just by those covers. Also, it's one of the few runs where while I do like some of the variant covers, like there's some real hitters doing some of the variants, like the Sebastian Shaw, the Phil Noto variant cover, where it's like an old timey painting situation where he's doing his kind of more classic blue and the cravat. So cute. So cute. But these covers, every cover is so good. It feels like a fancy variant. It feels like an incentive cover. That that first uh, Last Supper one, amazing. Yeah. But also we got, we got, you know, Emma in the Sheets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, woo. that's a great one. The number nine, the Sinister is just full on. It's the hottest sinister, and it also is a great play into that. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to like kill everyone because mm. you see the the different weapons, like a gun that would put Cable's gun to shame and whatever. You see that in that cover. So the covers are doing good storytelling, but they're also some of the best covers for at least the first ten that I've seen in ages. It's one of those runs where it's hard to quibble with some of their choices for the quiet council. Cause in a way they kind of chose the characters that are most fun mm. to show all of their like elements and powers. And it's not just that the covers look good. It's that they're each one is 
giving a bit of the character's powers. It's doing storytelling. It's just so much. And then 10 with the Charles, with the yeah, cracked. Cracked eye, yeah. Yeah, it, it's giving Obi-Wan Vader fight. It's just, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sploosh after sploosh after sploosh, this run of covers. And then when he opened up the book, Art by Lucas Wernick and Colors by David Curiel, um, as I've already mentioned, the mystique uh, in her regular form in the Sherlock Holmes outfit, that was one of my favorite drawings in the book. But then also the kind of multi-panel storytelling of Sinister's attempts to kill Hope, also an amazing laid out page there. Fantastic I'm gonna, work. I'm going to say the Nightcrawler one is my favorite. Again, Nightcrawler, just because of the way his character looks, is always one that's going to really pop. Mm. But you're getting bamf after bamf after bamf in the Nightcrawler one. You're getting the acrobatics. So if you're one of those people who likes Spider-Man stuff because of the acrobatic stuff they can do, they're doing that. You're getting a lot of uh, when people die and respawn, just like beautiful naked characters. Man, look at you, <laughs> Captain America. How you doing? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What they do with Cap in, in the Nightcrawler one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Nightcrawler one is probably my favorite for visuals, but just also like super juiced up Cap getting the surprise share of the mute gift. Whew. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's up there with the feeling you get in that the first Avengers movie when Chris Evans comes out of the Easy Bake Oven. He's juicy. So, so what you're saying is you look at that picture and you want to quickly lightly touch his chest? Mm-hmm. Like uh like Peggy sure. Carter does in the his movie. His chest. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Great use of the shield for some tactical uh blocking of the full uh the full cap there you go there you go oh my god yeah the artwork is a lot of fun and if you're if you're horny for the x like patula is you'll get a lot in this book Mm -hmm. uh uh, well yeah uh karen gillen put to weave together quite a story that i didn't think it was going to be as good as it was like it popped up on a lot of people's best of the year list. So that's why I gave it a look and I gave it a look and was like, wow, yeah, this is actually, this is a really good series. This is a series that makes me excited for the X-Men, which to be honest, a lot of the we're off on an Island by ourselves. What's the secret type stuff wasn't doing for me. So yeah, uh, Kieran Gillen, you know, good writer coming in, knocks this one out of the park, doesn't rest on his laurels and just, Makes it as compelling as shit. I wanted to pick up. I wanted to devour each issue as it came in. And you had your funny moments too. You had your fun lines. You had your callbacks to all the atrocities. There's something for everyone. Like you get enough, but not too much exposition. And you get you get basically a Cliff Notes version of what happened during the Judgment Day event without having to fucking read the Judgment Day event. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those interstitial panels... While in some of the other parts of the Hickman Extended Universe, sometimes they just feel too deep nerd or whatever. These ones are doing good, concise exposition. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So overall, a compelling read and feels very X-Men-y, which I can't say that about everything that's come out over the past three years. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun with some great artwork. So definitely you, you think people should check this book out? Oh, good Lord. Yes. 
Yeah. And it's actually, it would be uh, arguably, if you get a Cliff's Notes from someone on the whole Krakoa situation, I'd almost say this might be a good intro to see if this is something that would make you want to dive deeper. But it's safe enough in that it's a self-contained story about sinister shenanigans that it doesn't feel as manipulative as other events, which are things that you and I both don't enjoy. Yeah. But I tell you one thing I do enjoy, Steak in a Sherlock Holmes outfit. We've come to the end of Magishub Love this week. Batula, where can people find you? At Antif.com on Twitter. Hive, Spatable, TikTok, Instagram at Obesakantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-N-T-A-V-A-T, and here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekard. Follow this very show on Facebook at Back Is Your Bloodbath. We post the new episode every week there. Of course, the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is just subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. What are you waiting for? It's easy. It's fun. Just do it. And of course, you want to send us an email. Send us an email at geekartshow at gmail.com. Put back your blood back in the subject line. And hell, if you say, hey, you can read it on the air, we'll read it on the air. We want to do it. So send us the emails. This has been Back Is Your Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petonio. Have yourself a good one.